and uh, we'll try to work our way through another few verses. Let's start our reading. Why don't we just back up and start in verse 1, and we'll read through verse uh, 16. We're not going to get that far, but let's just go back to verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all Thy commandments. I will praise Thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Again, the psalmist here, and, and though this psalm is unsigned, um, we, we have a tendency, most people believe that it was David, and it certainly seems to fit him, but uh, the author truly was the Holy Spirit, and whoever the man was that God used to put these words down on paper really isn't that important, amen? Uh, it is the work of the Holy Spirit, and we're calling this series, the treatise on the Word of God, because as we look through here and work our way through the 176 verses of Psalm 119, uh, we are going to be shown, we are going to look from every direction how God's Word should work in our lives and what it can accomplish. Uh, I don't know, how many of you have been to the Museum of Natural History over here in Manhattan? Uh, has anyone here been to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C.? How many of you have seen the Wolf Diamond down there in, in Washington, D.C., the world's largest blue diamond? Uh, it is absolutely stunning. If you've ever seen it, you will never forget it. But they cut those stones in such a way, each stone or each flat surface, each cut on that stone is what is called a facet. And the reason they cut them in that way is because it allows you to see into the stone and it reflects light at different angles. How many of you have ever seen an uncut diamond? It almost just looks like a little piece of dirty glass. And as they cut that diamond and they polish it, and you can take a 
very expensive, large diamond and do a poor job of cutting it and it will evolve. You can take a rather inexpensive diamond that has flaws and you can cut it in such a way that it covers up everything and looks very expensive. And what the, the, the reason why we're playing with this word picture here is if you could imagine each one of these verses in Psalm 119 as a different facet of the diamond of God's Word. And uh, my wife asked me the other night as we were talking about this, and she said, um, uh, how there's a lot of repetition in Psalm 119. How is it going to be from here toward the end? I said, well, how repetitive has it been so far? And she said, well, it's not too bad. And I said, well, that's about the pace we're going to keep the whole way through all 176 verses. See, here's what you do as you read Psalm 119. Is you read the first 12, 14 verses, and then you go on, oh my, three more pages. And you just kind of shift in neutral, and if you're not careful, you skip over so many of the beauties of, of what is in this psalm. And we don't want to do that. I mean, we come here to verse 13, I mean, verse 12, where we're going to pick up tonight. And, and it's almost like the writer here just throws on the brakes and changes his direction completely. He really doesn't. But uh, we're looking here, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? With my whole heart I have sought thee, thy word have I hid. In my heart, he's talking about all of these things that need to be done and should be done with the Word of God. And all of a sudden, he goes, Blessed art thou, O Lord. Now, where did that come from? He says, God, you are blessed. Now, let me ask you a question. What can we give God that will enrich him. What can we give God that would make him anything? I mean, he's God. He has everything. Yes, he wants our hearts. He wants our worship. But yet, this whole book called the Bible has a theme. And that theme is the holy God wanting to interact with sinful, rebellious mankind. And God wants to be pleased or blessed from us. How can you add a blessing to God? Uh, living a clean life. Oftentimes we think the greatest testimony is a person who has done all these horrible things and then God saves them from them. I'll tell you the greatest testimony is someone who never did anything except serve them. That's the greatest testimony a person can have. Amen? And here's what the Lord wants. When we allow God's Word to do its work in our life, 
God is blessed. That's where this verse comes from. You see, you go back to verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed, by obeying the word of God. The psalmist says here, with my whole heart I have sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Hedge me in, keep me in that way. I want to walk in that way undefiled because that's where the blessings are. Going back to verse 1, he said, I've taken your word like a precious treasure and I've hidden it in my heart because once it's there, it's going to keep me from sinning. If you will fill the cup of your life with Jesus Christ, you cannot sin, cannot be added. Amen? That's the goal. That's the idea of being undefiled in the way. And, and the writer here says, listen, Lord, I just want to bless you. That's one of the reasons why Sunday night we give testimonies and we just want to praise the Lord for what He's done in our lives. We want... The Lord already knows what's in our heart. He knows whether you're thankful or whether we're just sitting there, oh no, Sunday night testimony time, pastor's going to be looking at me, what can I think to say? I know my kids do that sometimes. <laughs> but, listen, what we want to do is we want to bless the Lord. And how you bless the Lord is allowing His Word to make you obedient. See, God has the right to tell us what to do. Because His desires are only for the best in our life. We like to say that about ourselves, do we not? I mean, as the parent disciplines the child, I'm only doing what is best for you. As Congress destroys the greatest health care program in the history of mankind, they're only trying to help us isn't that right? Now God's not capable of that. When He says something, it's the best. Period. And when we surrender to His Word and let it work in our life, who is the happiest? God is. He has more joy out of our obedience than we do many times because he's looking at the long range he's looking at that time when we're gathered together in heaven he says they're going to have another crown to throw at my feet they don't understand it now they don't think it's that important now but wait till they get to heaven and I mean stop and think about this You're there with the company of all saints surrounding the very throne of God. And those mighty beasts cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. And it says the four and twenty elders fall down and cast their crowns at His feet. And 
I'm just going to give you my opinion. I believe that's a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the land, the Old Testament and New Testament Christians, all saints. We're going to worship Him. If you don't let God's Word do its work in your life now, you're going to be empty-handed then. You want to know why the Lord is happy? Because he's looking at eternity. And he says, this is what's going to happen to you. I want it to be good. Let my word do its work and it will be good. God says, "I." the writer is here saying, blessed be the Lord. He's pronouncing a blessing upon him from whom all blessings flow, if you remember that old song. It says, Blessed art thou, O Lord. And again, what's the cry? Teach me thy statutes. Now that word for statutes, just to give you a, a picture, uh, each one of the words that are used here in description of God's words give us, a, again, a different facet or a different way of looking at God's words, we're going to look at judgments and just when we get to the next verse, but statutes are just like the idea of bricks in a wall. You know, God's statutes build upon each other. They interlock with each other. And they're much stronger all together. You want to protect yourself against temptation. Teach me thy statutes. We need to do more than just our daily Bible reading. Amen? We need to do more than just telling other people about Jesus. But we need to do all of those. You come to church and be here for the services. Each one of these is a different building block. I try to encourage people who say, well, tell me about the church. I, I've never been to a church like this. And, and try to explain that our Sunday school time on Sunday morning is to go over the Bible stories because most people do not know them. And those of us who do know them, I don't know about you, but I like hearing them again. I love to tell Bible stories. And because every time I go through those stories, I learn something. The Lord blesses my heart again. Then our worship service is a time to be challenged for God to change your life in the coming week. Sunday night is our prayer time. If you're going to serve God, you better know how to pray. Amen? And Thursday night is our steak and potatoes. It is the meat of the Word. We are going through the Scripture. We're trying to give you the Word of God. And in giving the Word of God... I also want you to learn how to read and study the Word of God for yourself. Because if all of the reading and all of the Word of God you get is when you come to church, you're going to be in big trouble. You've got to be able to read and feed upon these words. Now, here's what he says in verse 12. He said, Blessed art thou, O Lord... Teach me thy statutes. 
Now I want to illustrate this in a little different way, and, and I've used this before uh, in, uh, in, in our teaching here and trying to explain things. God has given us the relationship in marriage to teach us a lot of things. And as uh, I've uh, counseled people and talked with them over the years, and, and please don't be afraid. I'm not thinking of any particular person right now. This is just a general uh, precept here. I, I see what I call the process of justification in the marriage relationship. Now, it works both ways. I've had people come in and they say, Pastor, you won't believe how rotten a man my husband is and all the things he's done to me. And then he comes in. You won't believe how rotten my wife is. And I mean, they just go on and on and on and on and on. I had two people one time, I said, now listen, if I listen to you and I looked at the wife, and I said, I'd have to believe that your husband's the devil in car. And she goes, mm -hmm. I said, the only problem is I, I've talked to him. And if I were to believe him, he'd tell me, you're the devil incarnate. And he's going, mm -hmm. I said, there's only one problem. I said, there's only one devil. He said, did you actually? Yes, I actually said that. Because they were both wrong. But see, here's the process. One did something wrong. That wrong behavior was a justification to do something else wrong. Oh, that's the way you're going to do it? Well, two can play at this game. And something else wrong is done. Well, if that's the way you're going to be, and it just goes in a spiral. Down and down and down. That's negative. Let me tell you the way it's supposed to work. My wife is the most wonderful woman in the world. I believe it. And she's entirely deluded, but she thinks I'm a good guy. <laughs> you know what? That makes me want to do things for her. Makes her want to do things with justification. Only justification to be kinder and to do better one toward another. Amen? You see the picture? Now let's go back to verse 12. Blessed art thou, O Lord. God, you are so good to me. Teach me more of your word. God teaches us more of his word. Because he's been blessed by our obedience. You see, God's not going to give you any more until you take care of what you got. Remember Luke chapter 16, the story of the unjust steward? It said, if you haven't been faithful with that which is another man's, who's going to give you that which is your own? If you can't be faithful with what God has given you today, He's not going to give you any more. Fortunately, that was not what was going on in the life of the writer of Psalm 119. He's saying, blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me more. And God's saying, 
I'm pleased. I am blessed by what is going on in the life of this person, and I'm going to do more. And he's saying, Lord, this is getting too good. Teach me more. Can you get enough of an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ? Not in this lifetime. But you ought to try. That ought to be our goal. And that is what is going on here. Let's go to the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. And we just get a little look here. The Bible is Jesus is teaching here in the Bible, Matthew chapter 24. I mean 25, I'm sorry. We start in verse 14. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Now, how many of us are familiar with this story? Because I don't want to take too much time here tonight. This is the parable of the talents where the landowner goes far away. He gives one guy ten ta five talents and another guy two talents and a third guy one talent. And then he comes back and he says, I, I want you to give an accounting. And the first guy comes up and we find his response in verse 19, it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Verse 21, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Skip to verse 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. The first had brought five additional talents for the original five. The second had brought two additional talents for the original two. The third one, took what his Lord gave him, hid it, and brought it back. And here's what it says, verse 26. Well, actually, let's just skip down here. Uh, verse 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God wants his word to work in our lives. You want to bless the Lord. You let God's word produce obedience in your life. And you know what that's going to create? It's going to create a greater desire for more of God's word. That's what we need. That's what will keep you even in a world where everything is going crazy. That's what will keep you encouraged when everything about you is discouraging. That's what will keep you doing what's right when everyone around you is doing what's wrong. Blessed art thou, O Lord. But you can't get to blessed art thou, O Lord, until you've hidden his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. But then we go on. Verse 13 says, With my lips, have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth? He says, with my lips, 
have I declared. Now, when I was just a young man, just newly saved, there was a big thing going on, and it was called lifestyle evangelism. It says we shouldn't go out and tell people about Jesus. We should just show them by the way we live. Well, there's only one problem with that. The Bible says if it's in your heart, it's going to come out your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If Christ is in your heart, He's going to come out your mouth. If He is not in your heart, then He's not going to come out your mouth. Amen? How many people know what's going on this week in downtown Manhattan? The car shop. Now, if you are a car person, you would know about that. And you would know what they're going to advertise and all of these things. And, and uh, there's always some fancy-dancy car that does things. And uh, I guess they were talking about this one Lincoln that parks itself. You just pull up beside and press the button and it literally just parallel parts all by itself. That makes me sick. If you can't park, don't drive. Uh, say, but I, I need a car like that. No, you need to learn how to park. Amen? It, it, it takes a lot of work. If I'm stepping on somebody's toes, this is just learn. It, it takes a lot of work. But there are people that all they do is talk about cars. How many horsepower and how many this and how many uh, uh, foot pounds at the flywheel and all that kind of stuff. But Listen, the psalmist here says, with my lips, I have declared, I have told people, I have let the world know, and what did he declare? All the judgments of thy mouth. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20, and I love this passage, Jeremiah uh, of any of the prophets in the Bible uh, lived in a day so much similar to our own. Look at verse 7 as the prophet is really complaining to the Lord. He says, O oh Lord, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Now does that not describe the day in which we live? You try to stand up and, and talk about the goodness of Christ and what are they going to do? Oh, you're like those people in Michigan. How many of you heard of that? How many times had they said... 
Christian militia. Can I tell you there's no such thing as a Christian militia? I, I finally heard one talk show guy say it right. He said, now wait a minute, if you're talking about killing people, that's not very Christian, is it? Ah, well, at least somebody's got a clue as to what's going on. But why do people resort to this kind of foolishness? It's because the Word of God is made fun of, it's laughed at, it's mocked everywhere you go. He said the, the Word was made a reproach to me. I mean, people in the world we live in today love to embarrass those who say, I believe the Bible. They just... They just enjoy that. They want to make you look foolish. They want to make you look like you have no idea what's going on. If you only had an education, you would know the Bible's a bunch of stories. No, if you had an education, you'd know what they have is a bunch of stories. This is the truth. Amen. But Jeremiah lived in a day when they laughed and mocked at the Word of God. Jeremiah was not an old and seasoned preacher like Elijah and some of the others were. He was a young man. And look what it says in verse 10. I mean verse 9. It says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. He said, I just decided I was going to quit preaching. Look at the rest of the verse. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. He said, I tried to stop. I tried to just pretend there was no message from the Lord. He said, but it was just like closing the lid on a furnace. That fire had to get out. Amen. Now we got to be careful. But... If we fill ourselves with God's Word, what's going to come out? God's Word. Remember the computer thing. Garbage in, garbage out. God's Word in, what do you think is coming out? God's Word. Amen. If you have God's Word here, it's going to change what you say here. If you can't change what you're saying in here, it's because the problem is down here. He says, with my mouth, with my lips, have I declared all the judgments. Now, judgments is a different word from statutes. Statutes is one brick built upon another, one piece put together, interlocking to teach us the Word of God, but judgments. Now, that's a whole different, that's a word that people don't like to use anymore. I mean, who, who made you the judge? No way. I'm not a judge. Well, you stand up there and criticize everybody on Sunday morning. No, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm matching them up with the Word of God. Amen. And when they come up short, it would be dishonest for me to tell you that they were equal. Amen. Amen. 
That's what we're, that's what judgments are. Judgments are a, statu a statement of value. You hear today we talk about Christian values and and, and the Judeo-Christian ethic. It's it's what we view. We have people who love baby seals and want to murder baby humans. Now that's messed up values. We have people that are going to save the planet and yet bring poverty to an entire generation. I, I don't understand that. That's mixed up values. It, we do not live in a closed system. They talk about using up all of the resources. That is a bold-faced lie. How many of you remember the story of Lake Erie? You remember the Love Canal? They caught on fire. Is there, the Cuyahoga River uh, back in the 70s, if they were not very careful, the river would catch on fire because of all the petroleum and chemicals that were mixed in with the water. There, wasn't, there was more chemical than there was water. No smoking by the riverside. It wasn't quite that bad, but I mean, it was. Yeah, there were a couple of times where they actually had to call out the Cleveland Fire Department to put the river up. Uh, that's not the way it normally is supposed to work. And everybody said Lake Erie is dead. And yet 30 years later, one of the greatest pastimes on Lake Erie today is yellow perch. They have commercial fishermen fishing in Lake Erie. Don't, don't tell me about all this stuff. I don't believe them. You're not going to use it up because God makes it recycle itself. Amen? He's built it a little better than that. With my lips have I declared God's value of things is different than the world's value. And we're going to hit on that if we get into the next verse. Because the psalmist says, Listen, I've rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all what? Riches. He said, if I could have everything that the world says they want, he said, I found more. I'm happier in this book than I am if I had Donald Trump's bank account. Now, I don't want Donald Trump's bank account. Because there's big bills attached to that. The bigger the account, the bigger the bills. I, I don't like that. I'll, I'll take a small account with small bills. Amen. But Jeremiah said, I tried not to make mention. I tried to shut it up, but I couldn't. The psalmist here, remember what he said? Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. It's going in. Guess what? I got to tell it out. Here's the thoughts. Brought back and forth and contrasted one with another in this psalm. By the way, David, or the writer of Psalm 119, didn't just pick the judgments that he liked. It says, all thy righteous judgments. 
I get really, I got a couple of books on my shelf that are written by people who should know better. And uh, I don't loan them out because they want to cut up the Word of God into little tiny pieces and say, you know, most of the Word of God really doesn't apply to you. And I'd say, well, then why did Paul say all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, Unto all good works. That's one of your memory verses from discipleship. Better work on it. Amen. All Scripture. I want to declare God's values in everything. If God values something, I want to value it. If God says something is worthless, you know what? I don't want to waste time with it. That's God's judgments. God has given us His judgments. These are His words. They are the words from His mouth. Look how it's put there. It says, with my lips. Here's the idea in this verse. He says, my lips are declaring all the judgments of His mouth, of thy mouth. He came from God. God spoke to Moses as a friend, as a man speaketh to his friend face to face, is what the Bible says. God came down on Mount Horeb there, Mount Sinai, and he spoke the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. And they were so afraid. They said, Moses, you go up and you get, let God speak to you, and we'll do everything he said. No sooner had he gotten up there, and they started building their own golden calf. If we could be in fear at listening to God's words. And it goes up one more step here. I, verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. Have you ever been just struggling and it just seems like life doesn't count and nothing is working out right and all of a sudden the Lord just brings something in there to remind you you were obedient to me today. Normally you lose your temper. You kept it this time. You didn't lose it. Why? I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. When God's Word starts shaping your life, that is going to give you a joy that you can't get anywhere else. We don't have time to go there, but Galatians chapter 6, it talks about those that are spiritual are to restore those that have fallen, but it says every man must bear his own burden. Every little child as they grow, they get to that point where, hey, I can do this on my own. No, they can't. But if you don't let them fall down a few times, they're never going to learn to walk. And the psalmist saying, listen, I've still got that tension going on. Oh, forsake me not utterly. God's not going to forsake us. We look at verse 10, let me not, I mean 12, uh, 10, let me not wander from thy commandments. Verse 11, it says that I might not sin against thee. 
These are all conditional things. This is the tension. This is not what normally happens in our life. Normally, we do sin. Normally, we do wander. Normally, we do mess up and we fail. But when we are finally obedient, we could say with the psalmist here, I have rejoiced in the way. That's where the blessings are. When you finally step into the light of the, and the wonder of God's blessings, you're going to find out that one second of God's blessings are greater than all the riches this world has to offer. But we don't often think that way. Somebody might remember the old Jackie Gleason joke. The guy comes out, points a gun in his belly and says, Your money or your life? I'm thinking about it. You know, your money or your life, I'm thinking about it. That tells you where your heart's wrapped up now, doesn't it? Look, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. Again, we go back to judgments. What is the value of something? For we get thy word, and I exalt, has he exalted above his name. One of the names of God is the word. John chapter 1. Jesus is the living word. This book is the written word. There's a connection there, my friend. The word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It is the only thing that can discern what is going on in our inner man. That's why we've got to take it and put it in there. And as it starts doing its good, guess what you're going to be able to do? You're going to be able to rejoice more in obedience to this Word of God, and if you found a room stuffed full of gold bars. So I'd like to try that being rich thing for just a little bit. They paved the streets up there in the New Jerusalem with gold. It's just paving material. I'd rather live free up there be all bound up here my whole life. But you know what? It's not the way it works. That's not a true choice. Because the more I bind myself with the Word of God, the more freedom I have to live. Amen? See, that doesn't make sense. Well, the way is the way that Jesus has chosen. It's God's way. He said it's a narrow way. That means it's binding. It's confining. It's small. But if you can walk in that way undefiled, guess what? You're blessed. That's where the blessings are. And as you rejoice in those blessings, it's going to make you desire more of God's Word in your life. As you get more of God's Word in your life, you're finally going to have something to say to somebody that means something. Because it's going to be God's judgments and God's valuations. 
And all of a sudden, God's going to let you see just a little bit, not much, because if He let you see much, you'd get proud about it, and then you'd think it was you and not God, and then you'd be all messed up. But I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. Just one quick thought, and we're done. And we skipped over some of these references here. We might come back and get them next week, or one. But one of the problems we have with Christianity today is people are willing to rejoice in God's testimonies, but they're not willing to rejoice in the way of God's testimonies. You see the difference. They're willing to hold up the Bible and say it's a good book, and they're willing to agree that God's Word is the best, but they're not doing it. That's what the way of the testimonies is. It is the path that is determined by the testimonies of God. He says, once I look and understand that I'm actually doing what I did today because of obedience to God's Word, that is the source of true rejoicing. Amen? And by the way, we can't catch that. There is no nation, no matter how oppressive, that has made a law against loving one another. And yet, that's the fulfillment of all the laws of this book. Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And when you do what you're doing because God's Word is working in your life, then you can rejoice in the way of His testimonies as much as in all riches. I mean, you'd like to be rich. That kind of rich. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you we ask that you would continue our journey through this psalm and that we would not get uh, allow ourselves to fall into the repetition that our mind might think is here, but you would open our eyes and open our hearts to see the entire world of beauty that's contained in, in these few verses that we looked at tonight. And Lord, that we would let you do your work through your word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just have the piano play.